Three-point range back for an early morning session. Super early where the scout is. Uh, he can tell you more about that. This is Mike Berardino, joined as always by the scout, Kimball Crosley, and the professor, Tim Crothers. And we're going to let the professor lead off as always. Well, thank you, Mike. I, I, I assume that our readers, our listeners, tune in because because uh, we are, you know, two of us are are journalists, at least, and, and we have the possibility always of potentially breaking a story. And it just so happens that today I do have that I do have that breaking story, according to uh, my sources deep inside the New York Yankees organization. Hmm. Uh, last night in Texas, Aaron Judge, you may have heard of him, broke the American League home run record by hitting his 62nd home run. Um, it's, it pays to have it pays to have sources. It pays to have highly highly paid sources. Those sources must remain anonymous, of course. But uh, yeah, um, a, a pretty big night, pretty big night in the history of baseball. And uh, I kind of this the idea for my point kind of came from uh, the post game after the game was over. Uh, I was watching um, Sports Center, and Scott Van Pelt asked asked Tim Kirkjian to place this. Uh, Aaron Judge's season in historical context. And uh, Kirkjian um, sort of bobbed and weaved and and eventually allowed that it might might possibly, probably, maybe be the best season, hitting season, in the last 10 years of Major League Baseball. And I started to think to myself, come on, man. Have a spine. Have... Go out on a limb a little bit. That is, uh, in my mind, uh, uh, seemed a little, a little timid. And I thought to myself, "All right, let's let's crank up the research machine and see what see what we can come up with." And so my minions and I got uh, got to working on it. I was actually on on the uh, phone with my my son, my chief researcher, at one thirty last last this morning. I guess you could say oh, earlier this morning. Uh, just just throwing texts back and forth uh, about different seasons uh, over the course of Major League Baseball history. And so I have to credit him to some extent with this point as well. But I'm here to tell you that in my mind, and you know we have to we have to of course qualify this always sadly by by uh, saying that assuming Aaron judge is clean and I have no no reason to think otherwise, that this is uh, the greatest hitting season by a clean player. I see you, Barry Bonds. I do not feel you. So you're, I am not considering you as part of this argument. This is the greatest hitting season by a clean player in the last century. In other words, the, as, as I go back, the, the first time I can find a season by any player that approaches what Aaron Judge has done in this season is the Babe in 1923, 100 baseball seasons ago. Now, obviously, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot to unpack here, but here's 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 my argument behind it. Now, you might say, "Oh, well, Aaron Judge is hitting only 311. That doesn't sound like much," um, but. 
you, you obviously have to put this in context. And Kimball, Kimball certainly would be would be the most expert at this in terms of putting it in context as as our true baseball guy. But uh, you know, we all know that this season uh, is one of the worst for worst seasons ever in major league history for hitting. We talked about it on an earlier broadcast. I think we, I think I mentioned a stat that said it's the lowest batting average across major league baseball uh, in forever. And um, so the fact that he's hitting 311, yes, it doesn't sound, doesn't sound like much, but we have to take it in, into context that this is a season of pitching. This is a season of the shift. This is a season that is depressed uh, numbers, Dramatically, um, there are only 12, 12 hitters in all of baseball who are hitting three hundred or better this season, which is just astounding. So, to place this in context is is about uh, not about where did, where does it fit compared to other seasons, but where does it fit compared to the other players that he is uh, that he's facing this or that he's play, playing against and competing against this season. So, uh, just to throw out a few numbers, um, where I think where I think the, the dominance really shows is, you know, we've been watching his triple crown pursuit for a long time, and you know, in, in terms of the some of the categories, uh, some of the batting categories, I mean, twenty more homers than anybody else in the American League, ten more this, extra base hits. This going to be RBIs. is this going to be all just a bunch of counting stats? Are you just going to hit us with counting <laughs> no. stats? No, I'm, you, I'm you really getting bored. You I'm want getting percentages. Yeah, we'll get, you we'll want get slugging. To the, you want we'll get to the percent higher slugging percentage. You I want, just uh, I just uh, well, we'll let you continue, but just can you skip over the counting stats? Well, that's part of the argument, though. It's that's boring. part of the argument. It's wrong. Well, it's not wrong. It's, it's useless. It's, it's how you. It's how you determine no. what an amazing season he's had. The bottom no. line is he is <laughs> he is not just leading the leading these categories. He's dominating these categories like nobody else, no. other than Barry Bonds, in in these the categories that he has uh, that he is leading. And not only that, but we count the triple crown categories uh, against other players no. in your own league. Um, so you say, all right, well, there's been, you know, 12 triple crown winners. Yeah. Those are the guys who, who've led home runs with RBIs and batting average in their own league. Uh, Aaron judge is, is his, the only category he's not leading is batting average. He, not only is he leading home runs and RBIs in the American league, he is leading home runs, RBIs runs scored, which is pretty crazy. For a guy who's batted lead off the last 20 games, all of these categories for all of Major League Baseball, not just the American League, for all of Major League Baseball. He is had he hit had he a few more batting average points, he could not only would not only be the triple crown winner for the American League, he would be the triple crown winner for all of baseball. And he's not very far away from being the quadruple crown winner for all of baseball. If you count fact that he leads leads both leagues in home runs rbis runs scored uh and is fifth overall in batting average in the entire in all of baseball kimball can you make this stop help no listen so tim do you want to keep going or do you want me to talk go ahead go ahead yeah go ahead all right 
I'm on your side here, Tim. Wow. And because because when Mike is not, you are you put it very well, and Mike's just blind to it. The context is remarkable. What he is doing this season is amazing, and it does matter what he's doing compared to the rest of baseball and the rest of the league. Um, that is dead on. I mean, it is just one of the great seasons, you know, of all time. And then he's also doing it defensively. He's played a lot of center field for them. He's made good plays and thrown guys out. It's been amazing. And luckily I was able to see a lot of it because I happened to be sitting on the Yankees a lot or watching a lot of the Yankees around the trade deadline. And it was just, it was just phenomenal. Now, what I assume Mike, Mike, the only thing Mike can say here is, okay, well, you can't eliminate the Barry Bonds factor or the Sammy Sosa factor, the Mark McGuire factor. And, and I will not really comment on that, but, but I, it is huge out there in the internet world, this debate about how, like, do we consider this right up there better than those because of, you know, steroid factors or do we not? So, with that, Mike, you're dead wrong on what's Tim saying. That these numbers are, are are amazing, and and Tim put them very well and in proper context, and they deserve to be said. And I'm sorry if it's boring for you. Now, if you want to make some very bonds or steroid argument, knock yourself out. I don't have to mention any of that. I'm going to keep it all contemporary. Uh, we don't have to go to the unknown or the unknowable. I'm just I just fired up fangraphs.com. Let me let me suggest that Tim and and the scout boy who should know better would uh, look at something that puts it in context. <laughs> I'm going to take you back to a conversation, a great one of the all time great dismissive lines, and I'm pretty sure that he used it on others. This was uh, right at the time Moneyball as a book was coming out, and and I scored an interview one-on-one -on -one with Billy Bean during spring training. And <laughs> Billy was sitting there, and Baseball America had set me up to fail, I felt, because they said, ask Billy Bean why on-base percentage is important. And we were well down the road on this. We knew this from Bill James back in the, in the 80s, maybe the late 70s. But um, I had to ask Billy Bean a few things, very basic questions. He was admittedly working on, he was multitasking. He was working on his insurance uh, form at the moment. He was personal insurance. He was like trying to make the, he was opting in, opting out. He was, he was only half listening. And at one point I said something and he said, uh, why well, I said, well, all right. So the, oh, on base percentage, obviously, but the what, story other, has gotten what other, boring. what other, what other stats should we be talking about? And he goes, well, or what, what, what resonates with you? And he goes, well, they have division in them, and and uh, and I thought that was beautiful because he uh, he just, and that, and nothing that Tim brought out there in that in that opening salvo, the worst one uh, in, in a long proud history of good leadoff uh, performances, uh, had division as far as I could gather. Okay, a couple. What do you things. mean? What do you mean? Uh, what just a bunch of counter sets. Just a bunch of old and the conversation you just had was ba you just stole and God bless him, Tim Kirchin. Uh, wonderful man, uh, fine writer, but in the base in the TV context, this isn't about Tim only. The other Tim, the Hall of Fame Tim, but his job, his job, his job is just to duck. Oh, it's never been done. It's so wonderful. Blah 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 blah. And I'll just push back with a couple things. If it truly is the greatest individual season ever. And I and I was I am not prepared to go through and parse and I think it would put everyone to sleep who are all the twelve people who are listening. But I'll just point a few things out. Yeah, I'll I'll give you that his 
Fangraph's war wins above replacement is well above the pack. It's 11.5 at the moment. Without looking back at any of the individual best seasons I, I, I of Mike Trout in his dominant current run or Shohei Otani since he got here as a two-way phenomenon, I'll just say that Judge at 11.5 war, the next highest war at the moment, according to Fangraph's is Manny Machado. And Kimball, no comment, but 7.3. So there's a pretty significant gap, almost 50% higher there. That's a, that gets me. But wouldn't you think the greatest individual season ever by a hitter would include just, uh, well, for instance, his walk rate, not total, not counting, but it's a percentage of times played appearances that result in a walk. And everybody's, oh, he just, he's just so afraid of Aaron Judge. You know, he, he's always, he never gets any. Well, his, he's second in baseball this year at 15.9% walk rate. Max Muncy is at 15.8 right there, <laughs> nipping at his heels. Max Muncy is just as feared by walk rate this year as Aaron Judge. Now, you tell me if anybody thinks Max Muncy, fine modern player, is uh, as also having one of the greatest neck-and-neck -neck seasons of all time. Juan Soto, Kimball not allowed to comment. 20.4% walk rate. So Juan Soto's 33% more feared by that one stat that requires division walk rate this <laughs> season than Aaron Judge. I'll also point you to batting average on balls in play. And batting average on balls in play is a luck stat. And I understand that Aaron Judge hits the ball a long, long way. But I don't know necessarily that those... Well, I don't want to veer into Big Mac territory, but I don't know that he hits the tape measure shot. He happens to play in a, in a ballpark that does have Death Valley, but also is very tight down the lines. So I haven't parsed all that. But I'll just tell you that batting average on balls in play is often a, a quick uh, elementary way to look at are you hitting in good luck or bad luck? And 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 scouts even will sit around pregame and talk about that. I'm pretty sure Kimball has heard a little bit about BABIP over the course of his career. Aaron Judge's BABIP this year, BABIP, is 340. So if I'm not mistaken, as I recall, being a recovering baseball writer, uh, if your batting average on balls in play is much above, say, uh, 290 or 300, uh, you're living right. If it's down there around 240, well, you know, you, a lot of atom balls, a lot of screamers, whatever. Uh, and of course, I'm not looking at exit velocity. There's so many measurables now. But I'll just say that his babble <laughs> is is out of whack. It's a, it, it, he's hit. The Don't you thing. think exit velocity does have something to do with sure. that, Mike? Uh, potentially, but also yeah. uh, the the ability of other teams to uh, to line up their their defense, which is about to go away on the shift. And, and again, there's a luck factor. Anybody would tell you that BABIP is a certain amount of luck. So the balls in play, the ones that are not eking over the 330 mark right down the line, whatever. Um, and and they're, uh, he's hit, he's hitting good luck. So they have to factor that in. The other thing is I'll say, you mentioned defense, you guys, and very disappointed in the scout, very, very disappointed scout boy today <laughs> to go, to go anecdotal and eye testy on us today and talk about, Oh, he played some center. He made some throw. I, I, I saw him for me, for me, home runs. Oh, for me, Aaron judge, blah, blah, blah. Well, and I love scouts, but that's, that, that's, that, that triggered me. So if he's really having the best individual season overall, and I'm pretty sure I heard, I did tune out a little about the counting stats, but I did hear <laughs> some reference to his defense being something we should factor. Well, his, his defensive wins above replacement, the portion of his 
11.5 wins above replacement as a ball player that are assigned to defense, there's 0.8. So barely above replacement level as a defender. And just to put in some context there, who's the best defender by that one measure this year, just for fan graphs, there's many places. Jonathan Scope is at 22.2, and he's not even young anymore. Jonathan Scope, (laughs) 22.2, almost, I mean, just like 20 times the player or whatever. Uh, Dansby Swanson right behind him at 21.6. Tommy Edmond, a little Tommy Edmond, 18.2 for the uh, Cardinals. So we're not saying, and the last thing is, (laughs) <laughs> how about how about that mean nothing what how are you about, talking about oh they do oh no you know you you need to get your your face out of the uh, sunday morning batting average leaders that apparently is still running in the chapel Hill newspaper. you guys you both love baseball you both are into baseball this is beautiful listen All to right, you so the last thing is weighted runs created plus and there's been what? some talk on it weighted linear weights if we're going to have this discussion without linear <laughs> weights i'm not qualified to compute it, but I'm definitely qualified to use the search engine. Aaron Judge is at 207. That means he's twice, he's like two times, league average would be 100 even, weighted runs created plus, he's at 207. That's pretty hardy, no doubt about that. That's that's an impact uh, performer as a, as a hitter. This is not his defense. Uh, 184, so not distant, not uh, uh, Lilliputian on this, on this breakdown. Jordan Alvarez of the Houston Astros at 184. Right behind him, him, Paul Goldschmidt, 178. Little Jose Altuve, 164. So they all see Aaron Aaron Judge. Judge is leading Jordan Alvarez by 100 points. Distant second in OPS, one of your your happy little division stats. Aaron Judge, division stats. OPS is actually, hey, hey, tough guy. Dominating. Tough guy. OPS. OPS has some division. It also has stupid addition. OPS is not <laughs> is not what we need to be doing because it because just because somebody on deadline about two decades ago is like oh just just take on base percentage and slugging and add them together oh boy that guy can hit he's wonderful I'm ready to go on the air no no that's not how we do it that's all right let me Billy ask Bean's you one other thing it. that's let not how Kimball's one... organization's doing it. Woba, we'll just leave you with Woba, and I'm, the, I'm not even going <laughs> Woba on weighted on base average, weighted. If Aaron Judge is head and shoulders above the world, as if he towers above baseball, uh, the Colossus of Clout, as they're calling him on the on the overview uh, story on Fangraphs. This is just kind of to get us to click. Uh, he's at 458 on his weighted on base average. Weighted, same same thing as OBP, but weighted against the league and the context provides ultra granular context. If he's really that much more incredible than anybody else could possibly imagine today, why is Jordan Alvarez at 426, just 32 points behind? 458, That's 426. That's a lot. Paul Goldschmidt's at 419. So there's three guys. North. You're, te- you're acting like we're hitting in the dead ball era today and that it's impossible because you're looking at the counting stats. You're looking at the wrong stuff. That's all I'll say. Check out Fangraphs.com. I was I was looking at everything. I just gave you, oh, gave you, you a bunch of division right. stuff. Oh. But also, let me ask you this. Um, is, is Max Muncy... Uh, Threatening to, to break the home run record? Is uh is Juan Soto threatening to break the home run record? No, counting stats. Counting stats. Counting stats. The how many guys have hit 60 home runs? P- 
period. That you don't care about you don't care about the fact that that somebody is breaking the home rec home run record. That means nothing. You're overvaluing the trot itself. I think you're overvaluing the the con that aspect of it. You're overvaluing the show, the circus. Um, there's so much more that goes into the value of a player. Would you would you take a player who only hit ten homers but somehow hit fifty triples in a season? Of course you would. And would you rather have him than Aaron Judge? Quite possibly. We have to, all depends on the full range of skills and and potentials. But uh, what we're seeing here is a guy with a with a huge frame. Um, still, one of my favorite modern photos is anytime they put Judge next to. <laughs> Altuve out there on the field, that's fun stuff. That's baseball. You can be 5'6", or whatever he is, 5'4", and you can be 6'7", like Aaron Judge. But And he's a good interview. He's a good guy. I've talked with him. He's he's, he's very accommodating. He's he's got an engaging personality. The context of the, the narrative, can't get swept away by the narrative. I'm afraid that the narrative of Yankees, of course, and anything that Yankee does is now automatically the greatest. He's now a worthy heir to the babe because he's a Yankee or to, or to Maris has to be a Yankee. Um, and that's silly. And uh, the idea that he's in a contract year, so he had all this pressure, and he knew he was going to get paid regardless. Um, Aaron Judge also in the, in his in the history, what, what's more interesting to me, and I have not watched a single one of those home runs. I'm not boycotting baseball. I'm just too busy for it right now. Oh, I'll check in for the postseason. But this, just this chase or whatever, having covered the 98 chase, I don't want to, in the Bonds time, I don't want to go back to that. But, um, I'm not, it's just not that compelling to me. And even this idea of the contract year, well, who, who, who gives a, a damn about that? I mean, he's going to get paid regardless. It's going to be hundreds of millions, whether he stays there or not. But, uh, it's been great fodder. If it's, uh, if it's gotten people excited about baseball again, that's great. I just hope that all our young listeners out there, starting with the one up there in college at BU or BC, um, my daughter went to BU, uh, that, uh, <laughs> he looks at things with the. If he wants to be a true baseball fan, uh, go to the go to the stats that have linear. He and he, he was sending me War and Wopa and all that yeah. stuff. Well, did you look at it? To me, all that stuff, and yeah. it all it all points to the same thing. And bottom line, how do you I factor in Otani? How many? How Otani? Uh, just just every season I, since he got go here. Go back but. to go back to what I said at the start. All I'm I am saying. Bottom line, the greatest non-steroid hitting season. Hitting, not hitting power. season, not power. Hitting not overall hitting season. Yeah, no. In the last hundred years, that's ridiculous. Okay, well, tell me who. Tell me who's better. I don't even have to look. I'm, I'm quite sure that there have been Philadelphia, <laughs> Jimmy Fox. Jimmy Fox, possibly. Jimmy Fox. In context, I know it was a live ball era then. No, I'm. I'm Mike Trout, within his career, has already had three seasons better than this, and and uh, so and, you, and I did. I have every right to bring in the defense because Kimball started talking defense. He said hitting you. season. I yeah. said hitting. That's Fine. the whole point. I'm Fine. not. I, well, then defense just has nothing to nothing to do with this point. Here's another one for you. One more. If Aaron Judge is just so impossible to pitch to, and he's just you know uh, just just this, this again this remarkable. Individ everything's clicking at all and all cylinders. It's just a marvel to watch. Uh, his, do you know what his strikeout rate is this year? And again, strikeouts are a part of the modern game. They always will be uh, from here forward, apparently, because you get paid for, for production. You get paid for, for pop. But 
his, he, it's not like, and he's always been incredibly streaky, Aaron Judge, but I thought, well, maybe he'd really solve that. So his walk rate's 15.9%, which is very strong, but not as right there with Max Muncy. Strikeout rate is 25.1%. That's his strikeout rate. And uh, 34, 34.7% is the top in baseball. So, that, But there's um, he's, in, he's in a group of about 20 guys that strike out at least a quarter percent, uh, a quarter of the time they have a plate appearance. So one in four times, you go watch him walk up there four times a night, he, you're going to see him strike out one of those times by by strikeout rate. And I just don't know that that um, speaks to impossible to pitch to or, you know, no holes or from a scouting perspective. There must be plenty of holes there still for a guy who strikes out 25% of the time. I think we're just getting swept away as a nation by the narrative, by a sport that overall has grown ponderous and hard to watch. And so now we've got something and it's in pinstripes and even Yankee haters are compelled because it's a guy in pinstripes. And, and uh, I'm sorry, uh, I, if they, the same season were happening, um, you know, for the Rockies, um, uh, people would not be saying these things. Just show me the season that's better. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go back to that, and the, and the answer is not. Oh, uh, well, what's your push? No, I don't think that's fair. What's your pushback on these warts that I'm pointing out to you, including? Do you, I hope you understand? You're a smart man. You're a professor. I hope you understand that that in terms of Babbitt, um, three forty. Is is ridiculously high. I mean, I would that, say the guy that a guy who had a you know about exit velocity that he does is not as lucky as you're as you're suggesting. Babbitt, yeah, when when some punch and Judy shortstop hits hits three forty, Babbitt, I I agree he's lucky. Uh, but I don't think that's the case with Aaron Judge when he's when he is when he is mashing the ball away, he's mashing it. You have a better chance to get a hit. So I haven't looked at, at baseball savant yet, uh, but I can if you if you really want to dive deeper. But maybe Kimball knows it off the top of his head. Is Aaron Judge even in the top five of average exit velocity this year? I have no idea. I mean, that's like that. That's like always when he was healthy and was a thing. That was you know the Miguel Sano stat or the you know there were plenty of guys. Uh, Stanton on his own team, Giancarlo Stanton uh, typically hits the ball harder in terms of exit velocity. Than Aaron Judge, so you know I haven't looked at baseball savant. I can. I think we've gone way too long on this first one, and, and I'm the reason. And I part of, part of it is that Kimball Kimball's not allowed to talk really in detail. But but um yeah. And uh, next next podcast, just come back and go ahead and do your research and tell oh, me who's who's nice. had a better season. That's all yeah. I'm asking. I'll I don't. Just, I, I'll, I don't. I'll, you haven't. You have not. You haven't come up with anything in my world that that. Argues my point. Yeah. Argue my point. Yeah, I, I've given you a, a plenty of homework for your, your, yourself, and, uh, it's good to, <laughs> and I think you can. You can I, I finished the assignment. I, no. I, I need somebody you to did tell this. me I'm wrong. You finished the assignment the same way it would have been done in 1978. So congratulations, and uh, and that was uh, that was that was pathetic. But um, we're in. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, whatever, but uh, so Cisco Webex is is telling me that well, we do need to wrap this segment up. That's how long the first segment was. But <laughs> uh, we need to uh, pause and come back for the final two segments and uh, two points here on three point range. So uh, we're going to uh, take that break now. Okay, so we made it through. 
the first point. Uh, barely, I think we're still on speaking terms. And now we move on to point number two, and it's the scout. And I was certain that he was going to talk about Tom Brady, but I guess not. <laughs> you know, I'd love to talk about Tom Brady as things get bad for him. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I, you know, of course, I want to talk about this home run thing because everyone's talking about it now. But no, I, uh, I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about... Uh, something that is I care really deeply about. I know Scott Van Pelt cares about this. I know every broadcaster out there right now cares about this. I know every football fan cares about this. But I just want to say that nobody cares more than me. I care the most about Tua Tagovailoa. Okay? Now Maybe I'm talking you about... care enough to say his name right? <laughs> no, no, I, I don't. That's, that's part of the point. Tua... Oh, no. No, Tua is, of course, you know, he's the Dolphins quarterback who was concussed last week and it sparked a major controversy Twice. about how his, his team, his coach, and the NFL handle concussions. But, right, exactly. To be honest, I don't care about Tua Tagliolioliola, whatever his name is. I really don't. I mean, look, he's a human being. My heart goes out to him. But come on, as a football fan – we don't care. Let's be honest. We don't care about these guys. They're gladiators. All these people that are like getting sanctimonious this past week and now, ooh, like, oh, whatever. It's ridiculous. And I've, started, I've said this before. When these things happen on the football field, you know, someone goes down, you know, we think someone's paralyzed. They bring out the stretcher. They cart him off. We spend five or 10 minutes saying, oh, my gosh, nothing matters. The football game doesn't matter. All, all we care about is this guy's health. But that's a lie, because if that was true, we would just say, well, let's call off the game then. <laughs> Why are we risking? What are we doing? It happens a lot, and it's going to happen again if we keep playing. So if we really think all that matters is this guy's health, like, let's stop doing this. Let's call off football. Let's call off this game. But we don't. We just say, yeah, 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 it's, it's really bad, but okay, let's go. Here we go. Let's go to the next play, the next player. So let's be honest. I mean, it's the price of doing business. These guys are gladiators. Even the players, they know the deal. You know, they, they laugh it off years later or, or, you know, even right away when they get dinged and when they might have a concussion. You know, I go back to... The Super Bowl in 2017, when Julian Edelman was dinged up and he, he went on to stay in the game and, and help the Patriots beat the Seahawks. And then later on, it's all like fun and games like, oh, I, you know, I, I was really I couldn't even like, you know, say my name. But here I was catching passes. Wasn't that fun? And that's always been part of the game. So come on, let's get off it. Let's let's stop this stuff about how much we really care about Tua and the rest and just admit this is Modern day gladiators, they are here for amusement. They know it. They know what's at stake. And, uh, you know, it's the price of doing business. What do you guys think? Mike, you got any stats for me? No, but I, I have an acronym. I have division. an acronym. Give them some division. I have an acronym for you. And, uh, and Tim can certainly comment on this. All three of us, I think it's appropriate. I was unaware, and maybe this is a brand new thing post to a. Um, Tonga Vailoa, I can spell it and say it. it's not easy. You got to check it every time. But did you guys know 
that um, that uh, medical professional who was fired for mishandling the Tua situation against Buffalo, the one on a Sunday down in Miami, uh, unincorporated Miami-Dade County, um, was the UNC of the situation, the UNC, the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant. And uh, I always thought it'd be like independent, but independent, I thought about it, independent neurotrauma consultant. Well, that's Inc. That's INC. And that certainly reminds everybody that it's all about the dollars and it is a massive business, a 12 plus billion dollar business. But uh, the UNC part of it is troubling. I think it's another thing that's uh, just a confusing point. And, um, and it makes it difficult for us uh, as uh, graduates. But, uh, and maybe there should be some sort of class action or cease and desist letter, uh, cease and desist letter off of that from uh, Carolina. But uh, Tua and concussions, I, well, I mean, I know Kimball was going for the laugh lines there a little bit, and we don't want to drag this down into a, into a Bob Lee production because that would be far too serious and award-winning. But, um, but it is, concussions are not, ha-ha, and, uh, and to be dismissed lightly. And, um, and the fact is, it's also about, this is one of those, what did they know and when did they know it? What did the coach know, the GM? We already know the Dolphins are a broken franchise in terms of the ownership, and Steve Ross is, is still allowed to be there after being slapped on the wrist for paying a coach, his former coach, to lose um, or offering to pay him $100,000 per game to, to uh, for draft positioning. But in this case, um, Mike... McDaniel's entire and it is you know Michael Irvin did about a four minute Irvin fest yesterday I caught uh on Twitter that um you know he he was very offended uh nobody does uh righteous indignation like the man who once said can I tell you who I am but um you know that would that was at the White House of Dallas but um uh, I don't. I think Mike McDaniel has come in there. I really liked everything about him. What he was doing, the uh, first-time head coach, was talking about players in human terms. He certainly was going to enable uh, Tua to. After people have said for a couple of years that he couldn't do it at this level, he was going to build up his confidence and take care of him and and make him the leader and let him go and and uh, and he was it was going great right up until the point where they had to beat Buffalo in a key division game early in the season. And what any replay, we saw it in slow motion, we saw it in real time, Any anybody could look at that replay on Sunday against Buffalo and see that that was not a back injury, that the man was out on his feet, that, that if that were a boxing match, it was over. It They would have stepped in, you didn't need Mills Lane to see that that was over. And he was put back in the game. Mm. He was put back in the game. Good interview once. And uh, and um, I, I, I was sickened as a, as a childhood Dolphins fan, as a person who really uh, only kind of semi pays attention to the Dolphins. And then this will make you guys happy. You know, by Thursday, I didn't realize, you know, I'm focused on Notre Dame, but by Thursday, I realized, oh, the Dolphins are playing again. And I'm seeing reference to Tua is going to play. And I, he was just concussed four days ago. What is that? I was shocked. And so I loaded up on the Bengals, and uh, and it went really well. And then I didn't want to be hurt, loaded up but I loaded up. I loaded Listen, up. Oh, my God, that proves a couple of points. <laughs> you loaded up on the Bengals. You, <laughs> oh, you really care so much about to uh, loaded up on the Bengals, please. Up. Oh, my God. So, But that, that goes to the heart of my point. 
Uh, come on. When, when fans are watching these games and now, now the NFL is going to be like overzealous. And look, I get it. Football's horrible. These guys are dying. They're getting concussed. It's terrible. Whatever. But um, as a fan, you're like, don't take Edelman out of my Super Bowl. Don't take Edelman out of my Super Bowl. You, didn't want, you don't want Tua to like sit out the rest of the year now. Like, oh, you know what? I don't care if the Dolphins don't win another game. Tua, just take it. You don't care. Yes, you I, don't do. care, I don't want. I don't want him to die on the field. I, no, I, but but you want him back in the game. No. Mm, when, he's, when he's when he's medically clear. No, I take concussion. No, when he's medically, <laughs> I was, you know, he so, was medically cleared to come back in well, the Buffalo game by multiple sources apparently, and, and someone who uh, whoever they, I have not seen the resume for that UNC that was dismissed, but I would like to see a story, an expose on how that person got to that point and. Uh, were they? Were, did they make that ruling from the owners' boxes of of the Dolphins' home stadium? Because that was uh, just incredible. Any, any any child could have looked at the replay and seen that that person Tua needed to sit out the rest of that day and and go into a quiet dark room. Uh, Tim, uh, what are we missing? Uh, as much as I hate to agree with you, I I think it's you know when I when Kimball brought up this topic, my first thought was boxing the most brutal gladiatorial sport that that exists still to this day and and yes the bottom line is that in a, in a boxing match uh, if a referee had seen to it in that in that uh, state it would have been a technical knockout no doubt about it you take the, the fight is over and the fact that that football has reached a, a point now where uh, we are we are putting football players in a position to continue to play that we wouldn't put a boxer in, which, you know, in boxing, basically, they let you beat the loving crap out of each other almost to the point of death, sometimes to the point of death. It makes you wonder, what is it going to take in the NFL for this, for something to potentially change? And yeah, it does, it does take your, take you to a morbid place where you think, you know, if somebody did die, well, is that would that do it? If somebody died on the field, would that change it? Uh, I, I don't think it would. I, I mean, the appetite for football in this country has reached a stage that there's there. I just can't imagine what would have to happen. I mean, obviously there would be a come a major come to Jesus moment if that ever if that ever occurred. But I just don't think we're I don't think we're in a, in a position right now with the way dollars rule rule sports that that you know i can't i can't imagine a scenario what could happen that would bring us to the point where people would say we have to stop playing football and you know there there may come a time i I guess my 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 feeling about this has always been that when uh you know when we get to the point where we start seeing a rat i mean it just it has to happen over time but when we start seeing a rash of CTE related deaths and people start to realize that what these guys are doing is mercenary. They are basically giving up years of their lives to play this sport and it happens on every single play. Every single play. I mean, yes, at diff- in different degrees, obviously, it's not as noticeable on every play, but every single play these guys are popping heads there. I mean, how many times I was watching uh, 
because my son goes to Boston College. I was watching the Boston College Louisville game last week, and there was a play where the Louisville uh, Louisville quarterback got popped. It was a targeting call. He he was on all fours, his head down on the on the field, and you thought, all right, well, in the in the light of Tua. At least, at least Louisville will be will will be respectful of that and say he's not playing anymore today. They, you know, they he wobbled off, and he was on he was back in the game the next series. So it's just you know we 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 see it, we feel it, but we don't we don't do anything about it. And I think that's going to continue to be the case until perhaps someday, um, you know, football players start to realize that that uh, maybe it's not worth giving up. 25 years of my life uh, to, to do this sport and, and you know, uh, maybe they'll switch to a safer sport. I don't know. I think that's where we are, though. Yeah, uh, just to build on what Tim said about uh, the, that happens on every play, at, at any level, uh, I'm, every time the ball is snapped, and I think there's an average of something like, what, 150 of those per game, um, uh, every time the offensive line and defensive line fires out and bangs helmets, um, nobody talks about that being a, a defenseless uh, uh, player at that point. But every one of those has been described by neurologists as something that I've read uh, this reference a few times as a, it's a, it's akin to a, a small car crash. You know, maybe uh, you know every one of those for your brain, it's like you just had to jam on the brakes and uh, rear end somebody at the stop at the intersection, and they do that for a living over and over and over, and uh, it's not healthy for sure. And the other thing is that we make such a big deal about the targeting calls, and and the NFL is really great, you know, about this aspect. They're really for the forthcoming with information that helps its case and makes the people think that we, they can suspend their disbelief and engage in this and sit down with their families and, and watch this incredibly gladiatorial sport. But it's very easy. One of the easiest notes to get uh, on the NFL beat on a Friday is you'll get an email back if you just ask on what the fine is for dangerous hits. And it doesn't have to have resulted in a flag in the game, but it's, it's, it, I don't know what the number is lately, but when I was doing, when I was covering the Dolphins more than a decade ago, all you had to do is, is, is send that email into the league office and then they would let you know, oh, well, this player on the Dolphins was fined so specific, like $12,500 for a, for a hit in the neck and shoulder, neck and head area or something. And um, they still do that. And it doesn't have to be a flag, but they want that out there because they want people to think that they care. But a Tua situation, and there's uh, Tua times, however many times this is happening, it didn't catch the public's imagination, and it wasn't so blatantly obvious. Um, it is, uh, it, it's a sport that I think you guys, I, I think we've touched on a few things. You never want to predict uh, something like we've alluded to, but it's certainly uh, not too far away. And the other thing is, uh, over time, uh, it, it's, it's interesting how many uh, former players, uh, some of the all-time greats, uh, and current coaches even, uh, ask them if their kids and their grandkids are playing tackle football uh, at a youth level, at a high school level. So many of them uh, are not. The ones who know the most about what happens on that field snap to snap are, are telling their kids, why don't you try wrestling? Why don't you try soccer, baseball, even lacrosse, whatever, something else that doesn't require you to experience a small car crash 
on every snap. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to, I'll just say, I if Tua is ruled out for the season as he recovers from this, that's fine by me. Um, of course, I don't have a futures bet on the Dolphins. Um, so that's, uh, we're two-thirds of the way through our show and uh, our podcast. I guess it's a show. And um, we thank you for finding us. Uh, we're on uh, Substack as well. We're on, we have a Facebook page. Um, we're on Google Podcasts and Amazon and Stitcher and Spotify and spread the word. Um, we've been, I think this is episode number 71. We, this is our first one post John Walters and we thank him again for joining us. We'll have to have him back sometime um, so that we can uh, take this to a level that requires division on all points. But um, for, for the final point, I, uh, I, I, I was going to talk about Tua, but Kimball took it. But no, I, I, I'd like to just say without belaboring it, um, I just uh, wonder, since we, since we are all journalists, have you, uh, do you guys have, I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions you may have, but uh, I'm, an, I'm a first time AP top 25 college football voter. And that process is um, I'd always uh, glanced at those um, when they came out, certainly since I've been covering Notre Dame football since 2018. But, you know, you glance at it. But in the era of college football playoff, what does it really matter? You just wait for that 13-person committee to get together starting in a few weeks. And when they set the top 25, that, that sets the course of the championship season. So what we're doing is just for amusement only, as, as there's 63 of us, and I can see now, why they have a hard time and why they finally getting people to do it and why they finally worked their way down to me because, um, and I was, I was the oaf who said yes, because what happens is we, uh, we have to wake up a little early. That's good. Good to be up early and scan all the scores and make sure I'm not missing anything on a, on a Sunday morning. It's due. My top 25 is due by 11 and then by two o'clock, the Associated Press releases it to the world. And then by about two Oh three, uh, Twitter begins to light up and the people are convinced right now they're convinced in Athens, Georgia and, and the, uh, and the extended area. And of course, in all of, uh, USC worlds, uh, in LA and anybody who cares about USC football, uh, that I have it in for them. And I'll just say very simply, I'm not going to pull out any numbers or anything like that, but I, I have no. Uh, rooting interest. I have no conflicts about this at all. I'm trying to make an honest effort to put these teams in a proper order. It's a very inexact science, and uh, I'm. You could find a thousand people more qualified than I am to do this, but I want to do it right. And um, you're not going to uh, shame me into putting a team even a single place higher than uh, my research. My crack research staff of one, myself, tells me it should be. But um, are, are you guys um, at all uh, surprised in this month? Yeah, you're unsurprised <laughs> that you're lying to our listeners. Are you surprised? surprised? Because, Jim, I know you're thinking the same thing. No way. I can't believe you were cleared to do this. Because... It's what? so obvious you underrank somebody or overrank somebody, depending on what you want to bet on that week, right. knowing you're affecting exactly. the line. What? I can't affect- believe you of all people were allowed to do this <laughs> with your dark track record in gambling. <laughs> right, Tim? Uh, 
Ab- absolutely. I was thinking the same thing. It's like, <laughs> gosh, I can move that line at least two points if I if I just rank this team a little you bit higher. USC. Mm-hmm. You give me you give me way too much credit. You don't understand how the line moves. You know the line the line moves based on uh, the amount of money that flows in at that outlet. Billy Bean. He'll he'll tell me how, how to work it. <laughs> There's no way. Do they know how much you gamble? Do they know? Is that allowed? Like, I'm not. I'm not. You know, this is for that's that's a uh, that's part of our part of our shtick here, but, um, I, uh, I'm a, I'm <laughs> part a, of our shtick. You're a, the one who brings it up all the time. I'm a, well, it's part of, yeah, I gotta have something to talk about, but no, I, college football, um, you know, that you, first of all, even if I wanted to move the line, uh, <laughs> I'm not uh, Arnold Rothstein here. I, 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 I'm one of 63 voters and, uh, I don't think the line, I don't think the AP vote, certainly, I don't think any poll, um, it's certainly not the coaches poll, because by the way, dirty little secret, the co- none of those coaches really do any of that voting. That's the SID uh, off really? poll. Yes. Wow. And so, but it, and I will tell you, well, I don't see people going, going after the coaches for trying to move that line around and move that order uh, as they pursue an actual Hopefully <laughs> all I, all I'm doing is, is getting up a couple hours earlier on a Sunday than I would like to. And making sure that I'm well aware of context and outcome and not, and I have, you know, I go about 40, 45 deep of teams that I'm truly considering for the top 25 and I have no access to grind. That's all I'm going to say. I know you guys okay, think that's so, ridiculous. So I have no this- access to grind and, and it would behoove me, don't you think, covering Notre Dame to sneak Notre Dame into the top 25 or be a little more friendly. Why do you say friendly. that aloud? So, no, I, I don't do that. I, they're unranked. I dropped them from seventh to unranked after the loss to Marshall. And if they and I have BYU in my top 15. I think they're 15th for me. And if they happen, Notre Dame happens to beat BYU this week, that has to be considered. And Notre Dame has a chance to sneak back into the top 25. But uh, I my vote is not for sale. Uh, nor will I be bullied into <laughs> helping your favorite team look a little bit better on that Reddit spreadsheet that has all the colorful logos. That's the worst thing that was ever invented because these people, if they had to actually read the name of their school, they would not be able to figure out what I had done. But they have a logo spreadsheet and they can look for, oh, where are the dogs? Oh, my goodness, they're third and, and, and that guy. And then so... They, uh, we have they no idea what he's talking about. They let me have it. I have Georgia three, Ohio State two, Alabama one. I've had it that way since the preseason poll, which was due painfully early of August first. And uh, and I'm you know how did that Missouri game go? Uh, Wait, so people? let me let me ask you this more seriously. Yeah. Now you have some power here. Do you do you do some things that maybe fight for the little school or or like to to counterbalance? You know what we tend to see with these polls, where it feels like you know it's so hard for the the lesser known schools or the smaller schools to to get some some credit. You know, are, are you yeah. trying to fight for the little man? Sure, I I don't know who else. Uh, I don't uh, parse the other votes, uh, the other voters' choices. But uh, after that week of Sun Belt dominance. Uh, I had Marshall in my top 25 and I had Appalachian state in my top 25 and then they immediately went out and lost. But so they, they fell out. I have Tulane in my top 25. They're number 25 this week, Tulane, as Mac Brown would say. And, um, 
because they have a quality win at Kansas State. And and uh, and I and one of the things I say, if I have an overarching thing that I, I'm gathering, I haven't we don't have a conference call the 63 voters. We don't get any feedback on our ballot from Ralph Russo, the AP college football writer, who makes sure that everybody's in on time and has been doing this for a long time. Uh, we don't get any direction on that. Nobody says what we're you know, We have to justify our ballot. And I don't answer any of these people on social media. That would be that you cannot feed the trolls. This is as far as I'll go. I'm not feeding them. I'm just I'm mentioning them. Uh, I will not engage them in battle where uh, the, it's a it's it's dangerous and stupid. But um, one thing that I, I think gets overlooked in these, and this is just for amusement, because again, we're not the college football playoff. I think you deserve credit for playing difficult opponents, especially on the road, and and losing. I still think that Notre Dame lost at Ohio State, a number two team in the country, played well, lost the game late, and I actually moved. Notre Dame up from eight to seven after that. I had you no. Know, everybody else had them five going into the season, and I had them eight. I was I was I had a wait and see attitude. I thought that showed me something. There's um, there have been teams that have lost uh, close games or even by a couple touchdowns to an. If you, well, Texas played Alabama tight and um, one point loss at Texas, and um, I it was unranked at the time. I moved them into the top twenty five. So without belaboring that anymore. I think it's more important to the quality of opponent and how you, even in a loss, whereas everybody else, it seems like we're still stuck in this, oh, they're undefeated. What is it? But I'm, I'm seeing people like, what is it about 5-0 and UCLA you don't understand? Well, they haven't really beaten anyone other than Washington coming to their place. Uh, they almost lost to South Alabama on their own field at uh, one point, of course, their own empty state. Have you seen the Rose Bowl lately? Have you seen what Chip Kelly has done to, to UCLA interest? My goodness. Um, they can't give those tickets away. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's fun. I, I, uh, I'm going to forge ahead. I'm not begging out of the assignment. I just thought that I would, uh, I thought we should talk about it a little bit because I've never had that, uh, responsibility. It's how I view it. And I was always curious how it worked and how much time you really would have to put in if you did it. And I'm trying to do it right. Um, I don't know that if I were given, an additional 24 hours to look at all this stuff and pull up a bunch of YouTube clips and whatever that I would vote any differently or any better. And who's to say what's good or what's bad. I just try and do it honestly. That's all I can do. And, and, and not be one of those who, you know, the nightmare is you go through this. Oh, it's all, if, if you don't call in to Ralph or anything and say, ah, here we go. No, you don't dictate it. There's a, there's a portal online and you have to, you just uh, click on the right school. And the nightmare is, you know, you start typing OKL and it might bring up Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. You just want to make sure you're clicking on the right school. Somebody already screwed up and left out uh, NC State by voting inadvertently for North Carolina, which I haven't voted for North Carolina mm, even that once. Was you. That, Come on, that man. was not that me. Was I have no, and they had to reissue somebody, the poll. A friend. Did you see that? They had to reissue the poll. What a disaster. So that hasn't happened to me yet. I'm just trying to make sure I click the, the 25 schools that I intend to click. And, um, and I, you know, uh, that's how I'm going about it. But uh, how much, how much does WOPA fa factor into your, your decisions on you're this? You're not even saying it right. And that's, that's really disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> it's really disappointing for a man in academia to, to not even be able to say WOBA. But, uh, it, it's WOBA, ba, ba. Yeah, like you know, like, that's how much I care. 
You're like a sheep. Uh, and uh, that's what right. happened with I you have and Aaron Judge. Question as a, as a pollster. I, yeah. I, that I I just think is is got to be a real stickler for you. All right. Let's say let's say Georgia had lost that game to Missouri last week. Mm-hmm. Would you have put out a poll that had Georgia ahead of Missouri? Well, the transitive theory is everybody's favorite toy. Everybody can understand that, but you cannot live by that alone. That would be ridiculous. And that, as the season progresses, it becomes even more dangerous. The cherry, how do you, I would just how say do the cherry somebody, picking. Some team ahead of another when they just played and, and lost. Because I, I don't think get it. It's about how you, how you frame that question. The question is, if these two teams met uh, five times, ten times, who would win the series? And of course, Georgia would win a series against Missouri. You know, they they did win that game, but it would win probably a hundred out of a hundred, but maybe ninety nine out of a hundred, whatever. But um, you're looking. At, the other thing is, you're looking at this the breakdown of team stats. You're looking for luck factors as much as you can in a quick shorthand, because um, there have been times when a team looked to have won convincingly, but actually, uh, you know, the other team was you know, turned it over three times in the red zone, whatever. So. Uh, I a missed makeable field goals. So I almost play the game to myself. Oh, well, that was essentially a tie. You know that I think uh, Kansas and Iowa State was like that the other day. Kansas is undefeated. They're in my top 25. Do I think Kansas um, would beat unranked Notre Dame anywhere in the country um, if they played? No, I don't. But at the moment, I still have I, uh, them in the top why do we even bother playing the games on the field then? Why don't we should just award the 1983 national championship to yeah. Houston because they would beat North Carolina State a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah. Well, you Stop get you get you do you can't play that because it's all it's the entire body of work, right? I had to get to that that term at some point. It's the body of work that the committee is going to look at. Oh. And, and the eye uh, test is the eye test part of this too. <laughs> uh, only slightly, only slightly. I, I yeah. much prefer uh, as much uh, uh, hard evidence as possible, as opposed to whether I was enjoying the ball game or not, or whether I was you know, I had a good scout to my right or left that day and enjoyed the conversation. And then, oh, for me, uh, I thought uh, Missouri looked really tough. But uh, no, it's uh, I did watch. I'm I'm watching more random football. I'm hey, I, I'm doing my research. I you know, people were uh, suggesting. And I just looked, I don't, that's another thing. This might surprise people. I make a point as I sit down to do this on Sunday morning to, I don't even want to know what order. I really try to be ignorant in this way. I don't want to know when I'm out of step with the other 62 voters. I don't want to know that. I'm looking at where I had them the previous week, 1 to 25, and then I have a list of almosts and who I dropped. I have the you know, the on-deck group that also receiving mental votes. And then I work off of that. So if you were you know, USC each week, I don't look at USC as, oh, that's a top 10 team that I'm seriously undervaluing because who's to say that the other 62 people, that's not all of them, uh, about you know, there's a couple other uh, holdouts on USC and its Insta team. You talk about a team that was put together on the fly with you know with the modern NIL money and the transfer portal. Well, I think team chemistry matters. I think Lincoln Riley had to set us. Uh, he's doing a great job there, and what they're doing on the fly with, with extreme talent at the skill positions, especially very impressive. But there's they're 13 for me because they started this process unranked. They moved slowly a few spots each week. And I don't let me. I think Reese Davis, who's probably the most qualified 
just based on how much we hear him talk about college football um, and has to pay attention to college football, has a whole team of researchers at ESPN. You know, uh, if I were to, to sneak a peek at anybody's ballot, as we see it on this Reddit breakdown, it might be Reese Davis because I, I, I've never met him, but I, he seems to know what he's talking about. And he would appear to have USC uh, higher than anyone. I think he has them three. But what does that all really mean? Just remind everybody, there's a college football committee. If you want to be angry at anybody, be angry at the fact that 13 people, all of whom work for some university or have worked in the past for universities that are being discussed and and there's some there's recusal if you're working in university currently, but there's not recusal if you got fired by a former place, as far as I know. So you want to look at conflict of interest, look at that thing when that starts up in a couple of weeks. But right now what we're doing is just uh, fodder for podcasts. And, and it's beautiful because when you don't have an actual final point, you can just talk about your AP ballot. And that's what I just did. Does it bother you that you spend all this time on something that is absolutely meaningless in your own, even in your own definition? I think you've just described my entire career. <laughs> so, uh, 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 no. So the answer is no. I've, I've, I've made that, I've made that mental bargain and uh, I'm just fine with it. With just chasing my tail. <laughs> I'm just, wee, just, that's all it is. Uh, and, uh, and that's about where, I belong. I would be. I it would it would devastate me the pressure, uh, probably if I had to make a choice on this one to twenty five and have it actually determine who gets to play for championships. That would I, that would be paralyzing uh, in terms of the responsibility. Uh, I would take it. I would just psych myself out. But this this uh, I'm just trying to get it right, and then I'm trying to make an omelet and or maybe some pancakes. And I, but so I want to get the thing done. I always take it right to the deadline. Whatever the deadline is, I take it uh, right to 11, maybe a couple minutes after. And uh, so it's not like I just get it out of the way. I want to do I want to be the best AP top 25 college football voter uh, out there. But by who gets to judge that? I mean, I'm just doing my very best. So certainly not the people in Athens or uh, USC's worldwide fan base. But uh, I'll just remind people um, that uh, be nice to all the AP voters, not just me. The idea that anyone should lose their job. It's been suggested that I was unqualified not just to vote, but to have a job in sports media um, because I, my, uh, my vote didn't line up exactly with how they would like to see it. My meaningless vote with their meaningless and biased opinion. Um, it's because uh, you thought Syracuse was better than Cincinnati, and that's just uh, just I absurd. Say, I never said that. What are you talking? Uh, I was. I, <laughs> I'm just. I'm just yeah. bringing it. Uh, any. Yeah. Let's any, not confuse anyone. Any um, number twenty-two yeah. against number twenty-four. Yeah. I mean, yeah. are you kidding me? It's just. I who think, knows? Who could yeah. possibly know? Exactly, and and uh, but basically, the 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 level of vitriol, and and maybe I should have led with this, but we're going to finish the show here in a moment. Uh, the level oh of vitriol on social media um, is not for for uh, viewpoints that conflict with your own. Uh, you know, everyone we're in the era of the confirmation bias, and we do not listen very well. We don't use our listening ears, as they said in preschool. And uh, no one wants to hear. No one wants to be challenged. No one wants to say, "Oh, my belief uh, might be uh, slightly off," uh, and I'm willing to go through that exercise. Up to a point, uh, by by uh, cold, uh, rational 
data and uh, and perhaps uh, a meaningful eye test, but but not by people uh, who live in Fansville and um, you know are just uh, filled with with bile. I'm not. It's not gonna. I'm not gonna let it. I'm wearing my hazmat suit every Sunday morning, and the bile can't touch me. So, all right, that's it. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, for Kimball Crosley, the scout. For Tim Crothers, the counting stats professor. This has been Mike Berardino. Uh, you've been listening to Three Point Range, and we'll see you next time. Don't divide us, Mike. Don't divide us. <laughs>